Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. And, you know, Jens, uh, today I think we should do a podcast where we're both in different states. What do you think about that? I think that's incredible. What state are you in? I, I'm in wait, a minute, wait a minute. Wait a oh, minute. Are you talking like Are you talking like mental state mental or state. physical state? Oh, we're we're always in mental different mental states of mind. Yes. Oh, Sometimes I right, wonder right. about your mental state of mind, and I'm like, Yep, I'm not there. I'm not there. So the cha- the challenge would be if we were in the same mental state. Like that would be extraordinary. That would be like stars aligning. It would be like a you know a shooting star or something. One of those things that doesn't happen very often ever. Yeah. Right. It's like you'd have to be in the best place in the world in order to see the solar eclipse. You'd be like a lunar solar eclipse happening both at the same time. Like. Oh, oh whoa. And, and getting hit by lightning and uh, winning the lottery at the same time. All of that. All of that. Yes. So, uh, But in, Epic. In, in lieu of ever being in the same mental state, I think we should record a podcast from two states in California. Two states in California. That sounds Two states? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, is it past your bedtime, Mr. Steve Jones? It might be. But, no, it is, uh, it, it's, it's early, Jens. It is uh, bright and early because this episode is dropping at 7 a.m., uh, you know, and we have some exciting stuff to get to. Uh, Jens is uh, doing this podcast from Seattle, Washington. That's the right state, not California. Uh, and uh, I am here in... Right. In the real Washington... Ooh, the, the gauntlet's been dropped. <laughs> what? You're thrown down. Thrown yeah. against the East Coast Washington, huh? Exactly. Yeah, we got the West Coast Washington. That's all that matters. Okay, yeah. Well, right now, uh, I don't want to waste any time because I'm going to tell you who we have on the podcast today, Jens, and then we have uh, some fun. We have a giveaway for, uh, for our fans on the podcast. So uh, we have two uh, interviews on the, uh, that we're doing here today. Uh, one is with Barnett English. He's the producer of the Guitarfish Music Festival, which is going down in tr- uh, Truckee, uh, California, almost near ne- uh, Nevada, kind of on the Yuba River, right around there. And that's later this month. Um, so we're going to uh, give away a pair of passes, uh, a pair of three-day passes to that festival here in just a second. Um, we also have Greg Kin returning to the podcast. Remember interviewing Greg Kin? Greg is fantastic. He's yeah, great. I remember Greg. Uh, that was a fun interview, a really fun guy to get to know and talk to. Uh, I see his name up, you know, every now and then when I when I drive around. Uh, it's good to see him. Um, it's good to you know see his presence. Yes, yes. So we're gonna get to Greg in just a moment. Before we do, let's get a uh, give away a pair of three day passes to um, the Guitarfish Music Festival. Um, going down in Truckee, lots of great bands that are playing. Um, I'll, I'll wait until later in the podcast to kind of uh, promote a couple of band, uh, bands that we have interviews with at the uh, festival. But right now, um, on Concert Pipeline's Facebook page at... Well, that would be, you know, facebook.com slash concert pipeline pod don't forget to put the pod at the end of concert pipeline you're right yes we have a the contest is posted right now um and the first person to uh reply to the post uh on a, that we just posted um with their favorite band that is playing the guitar fish music festival is going to win a pair of three-day passes to guitar fish so it's exciting times here on concert pipeline that's exciting all right um i don't know if we've done that before it's not kind of a yeah. first or 
Does that just not happen for a while? It does, doesn't happen a lot, but you know, guitar fish uh, folks are are being really you know, great and generous. And uh, like I said, we talked to uh, uh, Barnett English, and uh, and he was really cool too. So we got some insight into the the festival, and uh, they want to open it up. They want to get um, you know some exposure to it. So um, I'm going to bring some people into uh, to Truckee and uh, have some fun out on the Yuba River. It's a really cool festival too. I mean, I haven't been, but I'm, but just looking into it and talking to Barnett. I mean, there's, it's not just music. It's uh, also good for kids and, uh, there's yoga and lots of other fun stuff to do. Um, you can lay, uh, around on the river, um, do some camping as well, uh, while you're up there. And, uh, Truckee is fantastic. It's beautiful up there. Oh, really, yeah. really nice. And it's not that far away. It might seem far away, but it's all freeway, you know? Yeah. All freeway all the way over there. Yeah. And so I can't wait. Um, I haven't done really any camping yet this summer, so that needs to happen. Uh, and it will happen. That's the plan. So you, you better make that happen. You can't go... You can't go a summer in California and not go camping at least I once. Know, I know, you know, and it's just, it's hard to get out sometimes and I just need to get out and do it. So hopefully it won't be murderously hot either. It's been really, uh, you know, hot on weekends. Like it, it gets, yeah. it gets hot on the weekend and then during the yeah. week it cools on, which is nice because I, you know, I don't have to be sweating, you know, during the day while I'm working. But, right. Yeah, I know. It's, if you don't have air conditioning, um, or don't want to pay like a thousand dollars a month for <laughs> it's nice to you know cool down but one of the nice things about california is that if it's too hot around here you just go to the coast yes. you know it's it kind of cool and sometimes you know foggy along the coast um so if you can get close enough um to where it's cooler you can um you know get away from the heat that is great advice yes and i should do more of that um yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's at the time now where are we halfway through summer? I don't know, but pretty soon you should start feeling bad about yourself for not having gone camping. I should, but I'm gonna I'm gonna get a couple trips in, and um, and the, I'm planning to get the uh, kids out camping with uh, her friend Joe and his family. Um, maybe even the weekend after the guitar fish. I think uh, we'll see. We're we're working out a, a day when that can happen. Hopefully, it can. Um, also looking forward to getting to the Russian River with you guys next weekend. That's still happening. That's right? gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Russian River. So that's gonna be fantastic. It's all about getting outdoors. So I mean, I don't, I haven't done camping a lot, but I, I get outdoors a good amount. So um, yeah, I got yeah, it. yeah. It's fun. Absolutely. Yes. Speaking of getting outdoors, you haven't sat very still because like each week you you've had a, a trip for the past three weeks. Uh, so uh, this is true. I, I don't really know what happened. I haven't done much at all uh, for a while on the weekends, but just all of a sudden it's like I'm, I'm doing these back to back things. So it was Yosemite for a weekend. Yep. Oh my God. I said Yosemite. Yes. That's fantastic because I usually always say Yellowstone by okay. accident. I don't know why I do that. It, I realize they both start with Y, but they're in completely different places. In Yellowstone, you might have a run-in with Yogi and Boo Boo, so yeah, right. it could happen. So Yosemite, I got it right. Good okay, job. so with the Yosemite, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, then uh, went to uh, Cabo. Yes, and then um, now I'm in. Uh, in Seattle, but uh, yeah, I can talk real briefly about uh, Cabo. Tell us, tell us about Cabo. What, what went down in Cabo, and and t and were there any pleasurable toilet experiences? You know, that that's a callback to your trips in the past. Yes, that's true. Thank you for bringing that up. You know, um, 
have there been were there any interesting toilet experiences in Mexico? I think there probably are a lot of very interesting toilet experiences that people have had in Mexico, but I cannot say that I had one. In fact, it was the opposite. The toilet experiences I've had in Mexico have been really quite fantastic. They have oh. they have really nice toilets in Cabo. They do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. They're really nice, luxurious, they work. Um no plumbing issues, you know, no problems with missing toilet seats or no toilet paper, you know, none of that stuff. No doors, no locks, um, no toilet, you know, nothing no <laughs> like that. Um, but no, but the problem I did have was with the crazy humidity. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I knew Dude, someone I else. Been, yeah, I heard that from you and from someone else I know who went on to Cabo last week and and that it was just super humid. What the deal is? Yeah, I have been to some really humid places, but and I wish somebody could explain this to me because I really don't understand. So I, I'm looking at my phone, right? And it tells me the weather is 83, 84 degrees. Right. It's not that bad. I mean, here, that's great. That's a good day. But the the level of moisture that was in the air, um, I was trying to look this up online, like what's the difference between humidity and relative humidity and and all this stuff, because I, I couldn't really figure it out. There was just so much moisture that it was exhausting. It was absolutely exhausting. I was I was done for the day by the time 4 or 5 o'clock hit. Yeah. You know, I felt like it had already been 24 hours. So did it take away from the trip really being pleasurable because you just were in so much pain from the humidity? Like, Kind of. Yeah. yeah, I've got to say, it kind of... It kind of did. Um, I would have spent a lot more time outside um, if it hadn't been a problem. Um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to think of an example. Uh, do you remember the uh, movie Airplane? You ever see Airplane? Yes, uh, but don't call me Shirley. So. Yeah, don't yeah. call me Shirley. Yeah. What's your vector, Victor? Um, <laughs> so there there's a there's a scene. Uh, I'm trying to write, it's been such a long time I've seen this film, but uh, something happened to the pilots, right? The pilots are like dead or whatever. Yeah. And then you've got the main character, who's a passenger, comes up to fly the plane, but he's he's got some plane experience, but it's from Vietnam or World War II or I don't remember. So he's got PTSD. So when he's in the cockpit trying to find a trying to fly in this you know big passenger yeah. jet, he's having all these PTSD moments where he's you know going back to his combat experience. So he's having this panic attack and he's sweating like crazy, right? So the scene is literally just water going down his face. And I think when they when they set up the scene to film it, they put a hose in his hair uh-huh, yeah. and just turned it on. And, and, and it, that's what it's like. It's just a sheet of water oh. coming down his entire face. And that's, I mean, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. That's what it felt like. I was wiping my face constantly. I was almost wondering, is there a shop I can go to that has some sort of gadget, like a hat? You can put on that has a little battery attached to it with a like a big windshield wiper for your right. face. <laughs> Just like smack, 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 smack. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I felt like that's exactly what I need right now. It was nuts, and I noticed some other people, you know, were having the same issue. Other people, you know, it wasn't that bad with them, but but um, by the time it was by the time it was time for us to go back to the airport, I was ready. I'm like, yeah. I am done with this. I'm ready to go back home. <laughs> You're like, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. So, so, 
so yeah, I mean, it was a great time. Um, it was just, uh, we stayed at one resort. It was one of these all-inclusive things. So we didn't really leave that area. And usually when we travel, that's exactly what we don't do. We do the opposite of that. We really try to get a lot of culture in and kind of, you know, meet the locals and stuff. But this was just sort of a, you know what, let's get out and, and just enjoy a pool and enjoy the beach and just kind of relax. Yeah. Um, but it, no, nevertheless, it was it was good. We had there was they had really good food. Uh, the World Cup was going every day. They had you know two games in a nice air conditioned conference room that was packed with people. You know, just cheering on uh, their teams and um, and uh, I did watch I did watch the game where Mexico lost. Ooh, in Mexico you watched it in Mexico. How was I'm in that? Mexico, and it was such a. Uh, downer yeah you know i mean it was such a downer you could definitely feel that you know the 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 staff working there they were all a bit depressed you know but on the flip side i tell you no joke the drinks got stronger they did like the drinks were twice as strong like if i felt like the the bartenders were you know what screw the margaritas here just have the bottle of tequila You're right yeah. <laughs> like that was gonna be the next step yeah uh, and, and so what was the score of the mexico losing game like uh i think it was zero two or something i okay. forget uh, i don't remember but it wasn't um it definitely wasn't a game where they had a chance towards the end to catch up right yeah and that's you know my challenge with soccer is you know that you can go the whole game and uh and the game can end in a tie at zero, even like in the World Cup, right? Like, I mean, right. and <laughs> and time can be added on just for no reason. The clock doesn't stop either when it goes out of bounds or anything like that. It's stuff that, you know, you expect from other sports. Right. Yeah. And there are no commercials. So you've got right. to like focus, you know, yeah. if you're into it, you got to focus for 90 minutes. I'm, I'm down with the running part, right? Because I get that. And, and I see, I mean, and they sweat, you know, during that game. So I, I, that is a workout. It's, it's yeah. not a lot, you know, it's, they're not lacking a workout for sure, but it's just, as far as the, the game, it's hard to, for me to get into because for those. Yeah. Those reasons, yeah. So. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people have that same, you know, kind of experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a real unique kind of World Cup. Uh, very interesting to see how things are turning out. But can you imagine, like last time it was in Brazil? Can you imagine yeah. running on the field for ninety minutes in that kind of heat and humidity? No, I, mean, no, I felt in Mexico. I felt like I was going to die just walking from one end of the resort to the other outside in the sun for five minutes. I can't even imagine running back and forth. That's ridiculous. No, no, that doesn't sound like fun at all. No. And, I mean, uh, I've, I've ran for ninety minutes, you know, and it's uh, it's a challenge. And it is a challenge. Let alone to do it in heat like that. Nope, doesn't. Yeah, you want to step up your game. Go to the, I don't know, where is it really crazy hot and humid here in the U.S. Um, Atlanta. Next time you're in Atlanta, Atlanta. yeah, Atlanta <laughs> or Florida or yeah, Florida, yeah, yeah, on the East Coast. Not fun. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I mean, couple was fun. It was just, uh, it was. Uh, I was just surprised. I've been to Mexico several times and I've never had an experience like that before, so it was surprising. But good not times. Gonna, not going to be going back anytime soon. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Got some other places lined up. Uh, you have any other trips lined up? I mean, do you have anything after next weekend planned or just nothing else this month? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
but we're going to do our Russian River thing, and then uh, I don't think I have anything else planned this month. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. I got to spend a weekend at home, do stuff. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's good to get out. You know, you get out and you live life. No one can say otherwise. So. Right. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next week on the pod, we'll need you to bring back a, a story from uh, Seattle. So do something fun while you're up there. Okay. I will. I'll make a story happen. Good. Um, all right. Speaking of making things happen, let's. Uh, oh wait. Dude, I forgot to tell you the highlight of the story. Oh, okay. Here it comes. Highlight me. Highlight of Mexico. Yes. Okay. So I bought a disco light uh-huh. on Amazon. Okay. I bought one of these disco lights that you can plug in, right? Yeah. And then, um, and then uh, it has a remote, and you can set it for all sorts of different settings, including, um, like you know, disco to the music. You know, so you turn on ABBA or something, and it, it, it beats to the music. It is so cool. I brought it to Mexico. Okay. And I, <laughs> I plugged it into our uh, into the wall at our uh, you know hotel room. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was just so freaking funny. Yeah. Because people, people can see it from little, outside, it's, right? It's like, little, yeah. It's this yeah. little disco light, but it, it, sh- it, it just, I mean, the whole room just explodes with all these multicolored lights. I thought, oh my God, I bet people can check this out outside. So I went outside and sure enough, I mean, ours is, our room is the only room with like tons of lights. Oh yeah. Shining out You're of the only one window. Discoing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People knew what was going on in that room. People knew. Yeah, people knew what was going on in that room. Uh, yeah, I almost felt like you know, if this was peak tourist season or something, I'd and it wasn't so crazy hot and humid. Uh-huh. I'd open the sliding door to the balcony, um, uh, you know, turn on the ABBA or whatever, uh-huh. and just invite people in. Like, come on in, disco party. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I because you had sent me a picture of that, and uh, and I thought that. Uh, I thought that it was like came with a room or something. You, I, I don't think you were the, the clearest about where that was coming from. Like I didn't, yeah. I didn't know you brought it with you. So. I brought it with me. Yeah, I brought it with me. And I would bring it on every single vacation that I go on. Uh-huh. But honestly, most of the places I go on vacation don't have 110 electricity. Mm. So I'm gonna have to buy a disco light that works for you know. Yeah. 220 or 240 or whatever. Apparently. Yeah. More more to come on that more story. Okay. More to come on that story. Where you can get your disco on around town. So, <laughs> But I highly recommend it. For anyone that likes to go, you know, and um, go on vacation and hang out in, in hotel rooms, get a disco light, make new friends, have a party. Yeah. You made some friends or? No. No. Okay. No, no, I, I, I would have, I think, um, had conditions been a little less miserable. Right, yeah. Not not too happy, <laughs> not too pleasant. I gotcha. Yeah. Right. All right, we're going to continue on here. We'll get into our first interview. Like I said, we got Guitarfish uh, mm-hmm. Festival coming up at the end of the month. Um, and uh, so we're going to start out with the interview with uh, the producer of Guitar F- Fish Festival, uh, where there are a lot of great bands we'll tell you about uh, a little bit later. Um, and that is Barnett English. So let's hear a little bit more about Guitar Fish. Bringing in Barnett. Hey, Barnett, this is Steve Jones from Concert Pipeline. How's it going? Hey, it's going great, Steve. How are you today? Hey, doing really well. Doing really well. You're on the East Coast right now? I am. I'm uh, 
Well, almost East Coast, Kentucky. <laughs> What's going on out in Kentucky? You're not living out there, right? You live in Joshua Tree? No, yeah, I live in Joshua Tree, but I've got uh, this is where I grew up, and uh, we're here visiting family for a few days. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I appreciate you taking time out to give me a shout. I really do. Uh, I hope uh, everything's well with you and your world and the, the vibrant Bay Area. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, there's always shows around here, so lots of great music and uh, and really cool festivals. We just had Bottle Rock, uh, you know, last month, so a, a great, yeah. uh, great bands come around here for that. Um, yeah, yeah, I want to take some time, obviously, to uh, talk about Guitarfish, but kind of what led up to uh, the creation of Guitarfish as, as well. So I know you've, you've been creating music festivals for... Uh, for a while now, you've you've been doing the uh, the Joshua Tree uh, f- festival for uh, I don't know what is it twenty five. Yeah, the, um, uh, started up the Joshua Tree music festivals. We have two a year now. Um, we've been um, we had the first one in two thousand three. So um, I've been traveling around to music festivals for twenty five years now, selling coffee and espresso, and uh, came across this place in Joshua Tree and. Uh, thought it'd be an amazing place and to have a festival and dove in and moved there and started one up within a few months and uh, haven't looked back. Yeah. Um, and then my good friends uh, Brent, Dana, and uh, a couple of his buddies, uh, they started Guitarfish eight years ago up in the high Sierras, up in the Sierras, and we've been going to the festivals for years. And then we, we just teamed up a couple of years ago together to, to work on it together to to pool resources and ideas and, and energies. So um, I've been going to Guitarfish for for years, and then so now to, to be a part of it is, is helping make it happen is, is, is amazing. Uh, it's got a lot of similarities to Joshua Tree, so, uh, and then my buddy's running it. We see eye to eye and a lot of things, so it seems a natural fit. Yeah. So, so tell me, I mean, you've been, you've gone to so many music festivals. Uh, tell me kind of, uh, uh, when you were starting to go to music festivals early on, did you ever think that this is something that you would want to do yourself or were you just kind of uh, really enjoying being there at that point? No, I was, you know, I, I didn't uh, anticipate doing this. I really, um, you know, like you said, I really enjoyed being there. Um, I had started this coffee business, and then once I went to a music festival, uh, one time I realized, hey, I could go to music festivals all the time and make some money and have a great time and see all the music that I want to see. So, um, you know, initially it started out like that, but, uh, you know, after years and years of doing that, and, you know, literally we've, we've worked at over 750 music festivals. So all sizes and flavors, um, but literally after doing that for quite some time and finding this place in Joshua Tree, it all just kind of clicked and a, a light bulb went off and I was like, oh, well, that's why I've been going to all these festivals. Yeah. We're going to run one now. So so um, looking back, it makes all kinds of sense, but, uh, you know, uh, the, the hindsight of... 2020 hindsight is, is handy <laughs> for, for sure and so you mentioned the, the coffee that it started with you have java gogo so tell me a little bit about that and kind of how you know that seems like it seems like that's the egg that kind of uh spawned your uh your entry to this world right it, yeah it really did and um you know i really um you know it's basically you know started with a love of music and, and wanting to be at the festivals and and uh um, you know, and then it was a, it's a way of life and, um, a way to make money and, and eat food and pay rent. Um, so I really enjoyed doing it. And, you know, some years we were going to as many as 30 music festivals a year. 
Um, and we still do that, but uh, more like 20 or so. Um, and the great thing is we get to go to all different types. So big ones, small ones, purple ones, green ones, uh, blue ones. Yeah. And, um, sounds like a Dr. Seuss book right now. You get to, you know, you get to see a lot and learn a lot. And, you know, so every festival I go to now is like, Oh geez, why did they put the portalettes in front of the stage? You know, things like that. (laughs) (laughs) You always see something that you love and, and can take away and, and try to incorporate into, you know, the festivals we do now. Yeah, and you mentioned similarities between Joshua Tree and uh, and Guitarfish, right? So, I mean, some some of the bands are even the same. Like Conbrio uh, is uh, playing both uh, Joshua Tree and Guitarfish, as well as uh, some of the other yeah. the other bands playing, right? Yeah. So musically, you know, there were a lot of similarities. Brent, who uh, founded uh, Guitarfish, uh, he and I have always, uh, you know, had a similar love of of really dynamic, uh, funk groove oriented bands. Um, so there was a, you know, a shared love of that type of music and, um, and then the festivals themselves, they're similar in that they're, they're kind of intimate, you know, they're, they're less than 3000 people on site. So, um, you and I would run into each other like 45 times over the weekend. We'd actually get to know each other and actually have a lot of shared experiences that, that uh, I think really add to the festival experience. You know, there's a lot of larger festivals that I go to, and I, I love them as well. But you're not going to walk away on Monday with kind of this, you know, a handful of these same strong connections you've made with other people. So um, I think that's kind of the similarity between Guitarfish and Joshua Tree that I really love is that they're, you know, they're they're intimate or or you know they're just not large festivals, so you don't have a lot of the the extra stuff you have to do, like park five miles away and take a shuttle and then go through security and then wait in line for everything. So, um, it, you know, eliminates a lot of that. So you just, uh, it's more of a, an enjoyable experience and on a lot of levels. Yeah. So tell me about the process for you of, of choosing the lineup, uh, because my understanding is you're the one who chooses the, the lineup for this, this festival at this point. And, um, and it's kind of like a, a playlist for you of your favorite music. It, it really is. And, um, you know, again, uh, going to a, a bunch of different types of music festivals, I found the ones most interesting are the ones that, you know, there really is a, a kind of a, a, div, a, divide, a diverse lineup throughout the day. Um, you, you get taken on a little journey, so it's like a live mixtape uh, throughout the day, uh, as opposed to maybe having too much music that all sounds it starts to sound similar after three or four days. So, you know, in that regard, like with Guitarfish, we have a, you know, Afrolicious and uh, Toto Mundo, uh, you know, with, with Afro and Latino beats and um, folk singers in the morning and, uh, you know, high energy funk at night. So, uh, you know, I think that's the main thing is you really try to make it a bit of a variety um, because there is so much music out there and, and so much of it is good that, uh, I hate sticking with, you know, just uh, one genre, if so to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it seems like the lineup really crosses, you know, uh, a bunch of different, you know, genres and uh, and and tones as well. So, do you do you go out and like uh, to different? I mean, I know you've been to a lot, obviously, a lot of different festivals, but do you go to a lot of smaller shows as well to uh, to see some of these bands and kind of uh, build those connections to get them to be uh, become? Um, yeah, yeah, I do. I try to go to shows uh, as much as I can, and then, um, <coughs> but by going to all these music festivals, I literally, uh, for instance, in a couple of weeks, we'll be at a, uh, high Sierra music festival for the 25th year in a row. 
Um, and they have over 80 bands playing. So, you know, I'll see more music in four days there than, um, you know, I could <laughs> in quite a few months of going to shows. Yeah. Uh, so that's still probably the main place where we do uh, experience music and get to see the bands live and get to see the whites of their eyes when they're performing as opposed to, you know, watching, uh, listening to something on a, on the computer or watching a YouTube video. Uh, you know, you, it's hard to, you can't replace the live experience. <laughs> oh, for sure. And, and so the, the cool thing that I, I mean, I haven't been to a guitar fi uh, fish festival yet, but, uh, I'm looking forward to going to it, um, this, this summer. So, I mean, the cool thing from what it looks like is, I mean, there's a, a lot of different stuff you can do outside of just the music as well. Right. I mean, because there's the camping, there's hiking, there's, uh, the, uh, the, the, the lake as well. Right. So tell tell me a little bit about the other pieces. Yeah, there is. I mean, the the venue there is is um, to be honest is one of the most amazing campgrounds in uh, California. I've been to so many through all these different festivals, and I used to camp at uh, the Cisco Grove Campground like fourteen, fifteen years ago uh, because it's just so pretty. It's up almost at Donner Pass, uh, about twenty minutes from Truckee, so it sits over a mile high in the woods, and then the South Yuba River literally runs through the campground so there's swimming holes everywhere uh literally you know a band will finish and then you can go take a 75 yard stroll and jump in the water so you can you know dance rinse and repeat <laughs> so the, the venue is amazing and then the hiking and biking trails uh leading in and out of the, the campground so just the venue itself provides uh you know uh endless entertainment but um, you know, when I first started going to festivals, I'm such a music head. I just would sit at the front of the stage and never leave and thought, you know, why would you have anything else to do at a music festival? But uh, I've evolved a little and I've learned that other people actually love to do yoga yeah. in the morning. So we've got yoga classes all day and, uh, you know, a healing oasis with 15 different um, massage therapists of different modalities and in a play shop stage where there's, you know, interactive workshops and play shops and, and music, uh, workshops. So, you know, it makes for a much more, uh, well-rounded experience. If you're coming out with a family of all ages, you can, you know, find something for everybody as opposed to just having the sole focus being the music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I bet I mean with with it being more intimate, like uh, like you're describing it, right? I mean, you, like when you're at a big big festival, like there's and there's there's a band that you want to see, and they're like the last band. You're, there's this pressure to camp out there at the stage the whole time so you can actually see them, right? Whereas this, you can come and go right. as, you, as you please, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's like uh, you know, I sell coffee at Coachella every year, and uh, you know, as much as I love seeing a lot of those bands, it's a uh, it's quite the experience. There's so many people there that you know, if your favorite band is playing on at ten o'clock at night, you have to go sit in front of that stage at eleven a.m. if you're going to actually be up close and not watch them on the jumbotron. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, that doesn't uh, that doesn't apply to to the shows that we've got going on. Yeah. So, uh, so you mentioned, I mean, some of the other stuff as well. I mean, the kids, uh, tell me about kind of the, the family environment and kind of the idea, uh, around that. Yeah. The families are, uh, you know, the family scene is so big and prevalent that, um, you know, we've intentionally made that part of our whole mission. Uh, number one, I have a child myself, so I'm in that world myself, but, um, we just found that, you know, it makes for a, uh, a much greater experience when the whole crowd itself is also diverse. You know, there's, there's the 75 year olds on the dance floor and the, the five year olds. Uh, 
Um, so yeah, our Kinsville area is actually takes up the whole area of the campground, a whole camping section. And, uh, so we've got a stage and tent and activities throughout the day and the performances all day. And, um, so a lot of the families that come, they end up just all camping in the same family camp area. And, uh, basically it's almost like the, uh, the kids are in charge. <laughs> yeah. So many. Yeah. And so, so tell me about the food. Do you have vendors that come out, uh, to the event as well? Um, what's, uh, yeah, we do. There's a, you know, there's a world market of, uh, artisans and then, um, the food is, is kind of all over the map, a diverse, uh, array. So, you know, some people, uh, treat it like they're camping and they, bring their own grills and a uh, weekend full of soup. But then there's others that just literally show up with a couple bucks in their pocket and say, well, I'm just going to eat at the vendors. Yeah. <laughs> Which would be, I would fall into that latter category. Call me lazy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so we've got a lot of food and, uh, food and drinks there. And, and, um, and it's all kind of set up in this great little village where everything is, is nearby. So there's the main stage and I can literally see almost every single vendor and from the dance floor so we kind of you know keep it nice and tight too it's kind of like uh, i liken it to the uh if you're having a party at your house and everybody ends up in the kitchen kind of thing <laughs> you know they all cram into the smallest space you know so some festivals you go to they set it up so big and so spread out when really we're all at a festival because we want to be together so i think that part of that goes into our setup as we try to keep things close by so so there's more interaction amongst uh, amongst people. Yeah, and you uh, adds to the fun. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, just having a couple of bucks in your pocket. That's kind of how you started out, right? Because you weren't making any money early on. You put a lot of this on your credit yeah. credit cards, and and so is yeah, it exactly? Is it kind of surreal? I guess a little bit to look back on it now and and be able to say, hey, you know, I've I've accomplished this thing, you know, and not just once, but consistently over and over, and made this experience for for people where. You were just one of those people, you know, going to it to appreciate it early on. It, you know, I really am. Um, when I look back, I'm definitely uh, completely blown away because uh, every time uh, the festival successfully happens, I mean, I literally look at it as a, a minor miracle occurred. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's so many variables and so many things, uh, balls in the air that, you know, there's so many things that could go wrong, so... Um, I just find that, uh, you know, every time another successful event happens, I'm, I'm really am quite, uh, blown away. And especially at this point now that there's, you know, there's been eight guitar fishes and 20 fish, 28 Joshua Tree music festivals. So it's, you know, like you say, we're consistently doing it. And, um, you know, we have grown in, in, in a way where we do have, uh, such an amazing crew of people too, that they really love what they do and, and, and make it all happen. So. Uh, you know, by no means is it is it just myself or or Brent making all this happen at this point. You know, it's a it's a really solid crew of people that love love the the music and the you know and the positive the positive uh, the positive work that's really you know comes out of being part of festivals and in the music business. Yeah, and so let's talk about the the positive you know effect that you guys are you know uh, trying to have as well because um, you I know you you guys focus on the issues of uh, overfishing and water pollution and so tell me a little bit about what you know that theme and kind of guitar fish's involvement there. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it uh, you know that kind of um, uh, spawned if you let me use that word spawned yeah. Yeah, uh, one night. Uh, you know, my good friend Brent and. Uh, 
his uh, best buddy, Jimmy Leslie and Fred Mailer, they were sitting around and, and, you know, they wanted to start a festival, but they really were, you know, kept, were fixated on this uh, uh, idea of, of the, the water issue, the greater water issue, the macro water issue in the world and, and, and the local streams. So, you know, it really spawned as a, uh, to help spread the word and, and get the word out about what we can do to, to try to make the world a better place and even have a world here for our next generation of kids. So that was really, um, you know, what got the guys rolling on, on actually even starting the festival. So, um, it was a real, uh, it was the impetus to, to make it happen, um, you know, six, uh, eight years ago now. Yeah. So, so a portion of the proceeds go towards uh, preservation of uh, clean oceans and, and watersheds, right? Are there specific companies that that's contributed to, or, uh, or there are in this uh, in this year? It's uh, you know they're focusing more towards um, the Tahoe Truckee region and trying to keep it a little more local. Um, so there's a couple organizations up in the area that they're working with that are going to be represented at the festival. Um, and, you know, thinking on just more of a local level, uh, because we, you know, again, we're a small festival, so it's not like we're generating, you know, life-changing amounts of money uh, to donate. But, um, you know, there's the monies, but then there's also really just, uh, you know, the awareness. So uh, it's kind of a two-pronged effort. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, so when when does the individual lineup? Uh, when does that uh, the, like the daily lineup? When does that drop? Uh, that should be up this week, um, and I think right now just um, we just have by the artist names on the artist page uh, what day there everyone's playing, mm-hmm. um, and then we'll have the the lineup itself, uh, specific times coming up this week. So, uh, please do check the website, uh, by Friday. Nice. Uh, lot, that should be, up. yeah, a lot to look forward to. I'll tell you in a, personally, uh, Combrio that like they were, they were my band of 2016. Like, you know, I get to go to a lot of concerts and everything, but, oh, great. but, uh, you know, I got to chat with them a couple of times in, um, in 2016 and, uh, and just their live performance, uh, Zeke up there on the stage. I mean, he's like, and the current age of Michael Jackson, it feels like, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, and, um, you know, they came to Joshua tree, I think it was 2015. Mm-hmm. And then they've been on a, you know, as you witnessed a meteoric rise, you know, in popularity, uh, with good reason. Cause they come out every night and absolutely destroy it. They, uh, they just came to Joshua tree again for uh, the second time last month. And I was just, my jaw dropped once again going holy smokes right they were great four years ago and now they're about 200 times better now uh you know just the the band itself uh as well you know driving the train uh it's just such a great live show people were people were blown away it's on psych they're going to be there and they're going to be headlining the you know the friday night at uh guitar fish so uh, i am super psyched about that Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks for uh, taking the time today, uh, Barnett. Definitely looking forward to it and uh, and the whole experience uh, as well. I mean, there's a, uh, a lot to look forward to, a, a ton of great bands and a lot of uh, uh, activities that, that weekend as well. So uh, so thanks for putting the festival on, and, uh, and I'll see you out Absolutely, there. Absolutely, Stephen, and I really appreciate you taking a, an interest in what we have going on because, uh, as we you know we spoke of at the beginning of the phone call, there's a, 
there's a lot of music going on, not just in the Bay Area, but all of the West Coast. So thanks for taking an interest in uh, Guitar Fish. Yeah, for sure. Is there anything else you wanted to add that I missed? Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and, you know, if anybody is intrigued and, and wants to know anything, uh, all the info is on our website. And there's an email address on there. You can fire away any question to me. So um, uh, thanks again, Steve. Hey, sounds good. Guitarfishfestival.com. We'll we'll see you out there, okay, Barnett? Awesome. Have a great day. You too. That was the interview with Barnett English here on Concert Pipeline. Um, While we're talking about uh, Guitarfish, let me just let you know who uh, we have interviews lined up with at Guitarfish. Now's a good time to do that. Uh, Right now we have three bands. Uh, Might add another band, possibly, you know, but I'm going to try and, you know, keep it at four or so so we can um, experience the rest of the festival as well it's uh, a good idea right I think that's fantastic yeah um, but uh, three bands we have are uh, Dino Hunter Midtown Social and Conbrio which uh, Conbrio will uh, be returning to the podcast they were like my favorite band of 2016 Yens um, if you remember yeah they're a fun group yeah. they are a fun group yeah I they were the band I interviewed once and then I lost the interview and my equipment got stolen from the car uh, and they were cool enough to do the interview again at Bottle Rock um, a couple months later uh, and uh, and that was a lot of fun and I got to be part of this session that they had which, called, uh, which uh, tied into Jam in the Van it's where a band like uh, crams into this like van with all their equipment and they uh, record like a, a music video inside the van live and, uh, and cool. people, people outside the van fans around and everything can watch it as it's uh, being recorded and they do a couple songs usually like two or three songs um, and and so I was you know I mean lucky enough I mean they were they were cool and let me actually hang in the van where there's like no room I mean there were like two people in, in this van um, for this performance, uh, we said that weren't supposed to be there, right? Uh, in in the back, just right. staying out, staying out of the way. Um, and so I was one of those right. two people uh, that got to that got to see that. Uh, so if you go on YouTube and find Combrio's Jam in the Van, I was there. Um, pretty cool. Woohoo! Yeah. Um, so looking forward to that. And uh, no festival is all. So that's my exciting uh, exciting news. That's cool. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so next up here, Jens, on the podcast, um, we have uh, one more interview. Uh, you remember who it is, right? I do. Yes. It is It is Greg Kin. That's right. Greg Kin. I feel like we just interviewed him. I, I know that was quite some time ago. Yeah. But he made such a good impression. That's yeah. not what I want to say. Yeah. Press. He has such a great presence. Yeah, oh yeah, and and he can you know he can hold a conversation too. I mean, he had twenty years on the radio, so he's he's done his time in the business uh, between the, being a DJ on K Fox and uh, obviously his music uh, that that he has is kind of reemerging and uh, or rekindled, as you can say. Uh, that's the name of his newest Ooh. album uh, that came out last year, um, and. Uh, and also he's an author he's written you know a s- small handful of books at this point and has got a couple more in the works that we're going to hear about uh, so he 
he gets out there and he does you know a, a lot and uh, and he's a bay area dude so um it's cool to uh talk to him about you know local stuff and uh and yeah i think we should uh should bring him in what do you think i absolutely think so and for those of you guys that you know aren't sure who he is definitely check out his stuff uh um <laughs> this guy is multi-talented oh yeah yeah he's got i mean his uh, he had a couple of singles back in the 80s that uh, hit pretty high on the charts. Uh, he had Jeopardy and then the breakup song, and uh, so you might know him from that. Also, Weird Al parodied uh, his song uh, Jeopardy, which, uh, you know, my kids know that version a little bit better, to be honest. And uh, uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's, he's good times. He's a great guy. We're going to bring him on in, and let's uh, have another chat with Greg. Here it is. Steve Jones, Greg Kinn calling. Greg Kinn, how you doing? Doing good, man. How's yourself? Hey, doing great. Doing great. Uh, we got to ch- uh, talk last year, actually, and I uh, saw you when you uh, played with Huey Lewis uh, out in Sacramento. That was a re- uh, that, yes, I, I remember that gig. It was a good gig. Yeah, yeah. Have you uh, have you played with Huey a lot over the years? Oh yeah, tons of times. And then we just found out that a couple of days later that Huey's ear was giving him problems. His inner ear, he couldn't hear it, and he had to uh, postpone a whole bunch of concerts. Oh, no. Is he doing better now? I hadn't I hadn't heard that. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in probably like six months, but, yeah, that was right around the time. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, a really good show. I'd never seen Huey before uh, either. And uh, Oh, he's great, isn't he? I'm telling oh, yeah. you, the guy's, the guy's amazing, you know, and he just keeps going. Yeah, just like yourself, though, you know, I mean, you're, you're not... Yeah, there you go. Right? You're not new to this, so you've uh, <laughs> been doing it for a long time. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it's, you know it, takes, it takes a licking and keeps on ticking, but, you know, I've been, I, I look back on my career, I mean, I've really been lucky. I mean, geez, we started back, I mean, it was back in the analog days, you know what I mean? It was yeah. way back there. Yeah, and so so tell me. I mean, obviously you've gone, you've been around for all of the changes, pretty much, right? So tell me how how that's changed your process from back when you started, you know, recording on analog to to what you're doing now. Well, you know, I think it's a lot better now. Actually, now the the digital world that we live in now. First, first and foremost, when you go into the studio, uh, it's a lot easier to record digitally. I mean, most of these things are uh, honed down to where you just, you know, set a wavelength or push a button and that's it. Um, And it's not, you don't have to, I mean, back in the beginning of uh, recording, you know, recorded history, I remember back in the old days, you know, we used to start with four and then six and then eight tracks. Yeah. And I remember because... uh, and of course, you had to be really, you know, when you were bouncing tracks down, you had to be really careful. But uh, I, geez, I remember, you know, those days a two, two, two track machines, usually two M, uh, MPEX two track machines would be standard equipment, and then they'd use the two machines to bounce back, uh, you know. Uh, the the uh, the various uh, tracks that they had, you know. So 
it would get, you know, it would go like four, three, two, one, and then you were out of tracks. It was like, I remember that talking to the engineer, we went in to do our second album. And then during that first and second album, God, this was back in the early Paleozoic era, I believe. Right, right. Yeah, but it was, I remember, you know, like, uh, I remember telling the, uh, the engineer, oh man, 16 tracks, we'll never use 16 tracks, we need 16 man. tracks, right? <laughs> We're used to four tracks, no, don't, even, don't even worry about it, we'll never use 16 tracks. Little did I know that we would use 16 tracks on the drums alone, but you know, hey, yeah. you know, who, was, who was counting it? I was shocked. You know, oh my God, you mean we have 16 whole tracks to fill up? What are we going to put on, you know? It was a lot of fun, man. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, nowadays, you just go in and record it. You don't worry about the uh, the degradation of the signal or anything like that. You just pulled in, and, and doing the last album was, was so much easier. You know what I mean? Like, if I wanted to do another vocal, just bounce the out bounce that one out and bounce a new one in. Yeah. And uh it was a lot it was a lot easier. And I just feel like uh, you know, looking back now, I mean, these there were there used to be tricks. You know, if you had a good old engineer, a guy like Glenn Kalotkin, who was our first and second and third album engineer, and this guy was old school, right? Yeah. And he was an analog guy, you know, and that was the, that was the way things were in in, in those days. Um, and they would have tricks. Oh yeah, I know how to make the drums sound really live. You know, they would put it, they would go in there and try, you know, like different microphone placements, and uh, they'd have tricks to make your little, you know, your little four track. Uh, Recording sound really good, and uh, it was amazing because nowadays there's no tricks. There's just a button. Oh, you you want the sun sound? No problem. I just push this button and instant Elvis. It, you know, it's almost like you know someone cooking your food for you, right? As opposed to going and going out and hunting for it. So that's right. That's right. And, yes, exactly. And, I'll take that medium rare. You're right. Exactly. So, is there any? Have you had a? Have you gone back ever? And since we've had had this luxury, I guess you could say, of uh, of digital, have you gone back and recorded anything on four track or you know analog and uh, just no, just to kind of? Do I the, really the haven't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, really, I, I have no uh, desire to do it right now. When in the digital world, and you know what, this this is only a transitional stage. There'll be a next digital world, and it'll probably be you know some kind of three D uh, you know uh, way of, of of recording so that everything is like stands out, but. Hey, we're we're we just started this journey, so yeah. God knows where it's going to end. Probably in the ten years, who knows what they're going to be doing? It's hard to even fathom, right? Because I'm sure back, you know, when you were recording or like that, you could have never imagined that it would be like what it is like now. It's like even with the you know cell phone or video, you know, FaceTime and video phones, right? Like, could you have oh, imagined yeah. like talking to see, to someone, you know, and seeing them visually like like that before? I mean, it's unfathomable. Oh yeah, imagine that. We would have never imagined that that you'd get that in a phone. Yeah. I mean, think about this. 
The guys went to the moon on a Commodore 2000 computer. They went to a, to the moon and back on a you know on a uh, on a computer that would not drive a cell phone in today's world. Right. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. And they 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 staked their lives on that. They went all the way around the moon. I mean, the moon is a quarter of a million miles away. It's 250,000 miles away. And now you would think in astronomical terms, that's just like really close. Yeah. Let's just reach out and touch it, you know, as opposed to like, uh, you know, the, the, the sun, for instance, uh, is way far away from... Uh, from the Earth, it's like I think uh, ninety nine million, ninety nine million miles, something like that. Right. How do I? What did I get? You know, I, 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 I know. I was like, how do you store that information, Greg? <laughs> yeah, you know, I read a lot of astronomy magazines, and I got all this arcade information. It pops up every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and so I want to ask you about your, you know, playing with your your son Ryan. He's uh, um, he's a guitar player in your band, and uh, and has been been for a while. So tell me, tell me first, you know, about him growing up. Usually, I, I talk to a lot of musicians, right, and and I like to ask them about their parents' you know influence on them musically. But you know, for you, kind of the well, I, you know, I'd like to hear um, both sides of it. You know, your your yeah. your parents, but also how you handed that. Down. Well, you know, I'll so, tell you. When Ryan was young, like he grew up backstage, he grew up watching the Greg Kin band. Yeah, and uh, you know, I remember when he started, first started taking guitar lessons. Um, you know, he got good really pretty pretty quickly, and uh, I, by the time he had generated up to uh, to Joe Satriani, that we was we was working with Joe. Uh, I thought to myself, wow, this guy, this kid is really good. And when Jimmy Lyons quit the band, now Jimmy Lyons quit the band, God, I know I can't even pull a year out of my hat, but he quit to become a an airline pilot. And I was like, you know, for a minute, like, I didn't know, you know, should I break up the band? You know, what should we do? And, you know, uh, Rye stepped up. I remember the first gig. He just stepped up, and he said, "I'll do it, Dad." And he get and he gets in there, and he just and he nails it, nails it perfect on the first gig. Yeah, I couldn't believe it, you know. And I, I said, Rye, you know, I really, you talk about deeply satisfying something that really, that is really deeply satisfying to see your son playing your music and adding a dimension to it that I. You know that, frankly, I didn't even hear. You know, and now I I love working with Rod. I can't imagine. You know, people say, "How are you? Pretty close to your guitar player?" Well, yeah, <laughs> a kind of. Yeah. He's like Rod. You know, created him. Yeah, and it, it, you think about it, like, wow, I couldn't. I I don't know what it's like to not have my son be the lead guitarist. How about that? Yeah. I don't know what it would be like to have a stranger up there playing the playing that same riff. Uh, you know, so it so would be completely different. But I love playing with Ryan. and you know, he's a very gifted guitar player. Uh you know, I just uh I consider myself a lucky man. Now I'm working on the next generation. I got two grandsons. Yeah, yeah. You're spending uh, time with them, giving them yeah, the guitar. They're, uh, 
eight and six, uh, eight and six years old. So I, I'm going to start them probably in the next year on guitar. And I would say in two or three years, there'll be three generations of kids in hey. the Greg Kin band. Hey, there you go. There you go. They'll be on stage at the end. Uh, uh, and was that about the age where your son, uh, you know, picked up the guitar, you handed him the guitar as well? Six. Well, I, you know, I remember he didn't want a guitar. He wanted uh, Hot Wheels, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and we got it to him for Christmas, and we gave him the Hot Wheels, and he, they, he, he was really into that. And the guitar was like, yeah, that's cool. But, you know, I think it took him a couple of months, and then as time went by, he really got into the guitar. Um and you know you can tell by how much they practice whether they're really into it or not. And he he was just a practicing fool. So I was really pleased that Rye picked up the guitar and and uh, and he was as good as he was. And like I said before, next generations are coming. So and you know the nice thing about this was I uh, the last album rekindled. Uh, I wrote a lot of the songs with Rye. Rye and Rob, Robert uh, Robert Barry, who's the bass player in the Greg Kidd band, and also the producer. Yeah. So Robert and I actually brought uh, Rye into the studio, and we, you know, he was actually in, involved in the songwriting, which was even it was a whole other level. You know, because then he would suggest, suggest things like, let's try this on that. And, you know, it's like, wow, yeah, that's a great idea. So, you know, we went from just playing together to songwriting together, and that, that was pretty cool, too. And so having uh, Robert uh, be the producer, tell me about their relationship with him and kind of, I guess, giving up some vulnerability to, to his perspective. How much of it did you go in with versus, uh, you know, he pulled out of you? Well, you know, Robert's like a brother to me, you know, and I've, I've known him for a million years, and he is one of the best musicians I ever met in my life. <laughs> the guy plays every instrument in the band. He plays every instrument really well. He's a really good drummer. He's a great bass player, fantastic guitar player, unbelievable keyboard player, he sings, he arranges, he writes songs. He's unbelievable. So having that guy in the band, it's, it really makes my uh, my my job a lot easier. <clears throat> and I just feel like I come in there with a uh, song idea. Like uh, we usually get together on uh, Wednesday. Yeah. You know, have to all drive down to the studio on Wednesday, and we'll just kick a couple of song ideas around. And before you know it, you know, by lunchtime, we got a song. It's unbelievable. <clears throat> hey, that's, that's awesome. And, uh, and you're still in the Bay, right? In the, in the Bay? Yeah, you're still, you still live in the Bay Area? Oh, yeah, yeah, still living in the Bay Area. All the guys are living in the Bay Area. Raya's over in the city. And uh, Robert is uh, down in Campbell, down in... In something uh, in uh, you know by San Jose, yeah. and uh, I'm up here by Walnut Creek, so I'm in the North Bay. Nice. But we're yeah, we're all uh, we're all Bay Area guys. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm in Napa myself, and I mean, I, I don't know if you guys caught any of the the smoke that's been around the past couple of days. Oh yeah, oh oh yeah, that was big here. Yeah, and it was floating in. I mean, she said for a while it didn't look good, did it? No, my car was covered in ash. The sky was like the sun's on fire. It's just it's it's crazy times. I mean, crazy. And it's it's kind of reminiscent yeah. to you know last actually last year you know with the Napa fires like it that started behind my house one of the fires and so I was evacuated from Holy my place. Cow. Yeah, for a week. Well, you're lucky. You're lucky walking around, man. You could yeah. you could have got torched. Oh, I, I didn't know for a couple of days whether my house was still standing. I was sure it wasn't. So you know, got, oh jeez, really uh, I, I can't imagine that kind of a anxiety. That sounds horrible. It's pretty crazy, but you know, made it through. And you come out stronger, right? So <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't kill you. It makes you stronger. Yeah. So being from the Bay, do you still get to, uh, to go out to a lot of shows? Do you and like what venues do you like to uh, to hit up? Well, you know what? I used to. I, I was a real gadfly back in the day. But, you know, lately I don't go out much anymore. <clears throat> you know, I'm kind of a a homebody. I got my my home. I'm sitting in my home, my office right now in my house. Yeah. And I do a lot of writing here. uh whether whether I'm writing a song or writing a novel or something something like that, it's it really is kind of like uh yeah, it is like a homebody. I, I I used to go out a lot more, but lately I haven't been. And I don't know. Rye goes out all the time. Of course, you know, he's young and unattached. Yeah, yeah. So he go out there. I'm like more of a homebody, but you know, I mean, I love my family. Uh, you know, once in a while we'll go out to a uh, to a movie or something. We'll go out to dinner for sure. But we do that a lot. Um, but I haven't been any, to many rock and roll shows. What was the last one? You know, I, apart from the ones I'm playing, yeah. obviously, because I'm playing all the time. But I see. For instance, uh, right now we're on we're on uh, on tour with Rick Springfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know what? I toured with him back in '83. Believe believe it or not. And um, you know, I see a lot of people out there that I'm playing with, but I don't really go to shows and see other people play. It's you know maybe I should do that more. It's good to get out, you know. There's lots of it's one of the cool things about being in the bay, also, right? Is there's so there's always a show every night. There's always something to, oh, yeah. to see. And, yeah, and the nice thing is, I know all these people. You yeah. know, I know Huey and and everybody. You know, all basically the entire Bay Area. We're all friends. And what even if, if it was uh, if it was back when I was on the radio, or whether it was just uh, presenting the concerts every year. You know, like we we always had great bands. You know, Skinner or The Who, or you know, there's just a ton of bands here. The the Doobie Brothers, Steve Miller. You know, and I, and they all know me. Like I remember the the last time I think I went out. Here's one of the reasons I don't go out. Here it is. I went out. I went to see Steve Miller at the Saratoga Winery. Right. Right. Okay, and uh, you know I was enjoying the show, and then he calls me up on stage. Come on, Greg, do a song with it. So I go up on stage, and he gives me a guitar, and he goes, "What song do you want to do?" And I said, "Well, let's do something easy, you know, 
like uh, Mercury Blues. Everybody knows that song. Okay, Mercury Blues, you got it. And I, right one point, I look at him and I said, hey, uh, Steve, what key is this in? What key do you do this in? He goes, F sharp. <laughs> what do you mean F sharp? I don't even know how to make an F sharp. <laughs> I can't, well, I, you know, forget it. I don't play an F sharp. I play an E or A. So I think the whole thing. I, I I look like I was doing a solo. Some other guy was doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's you were you were put on the spot a little bit, right? So. <laughs> well, hey, and I I tell you, after the gig, I said, you know, Steve, look, next time I'm, you know, asking you what key is it, say key of C, key of D, something I can tell you. Yeah. This is like, you know, this is like. Uh, you know, it's 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 like a whole other world. F sharp, come on, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, uh, and so so tell me about you know you you're on the radio obviously for about twenty years, and I want to ask you about that in a minute. But um, but during that time, you didn't do a lot of shows. So what's it been like for yeah. for you, kind of going back and revisiting a lot of your old material? And, and, and yeah, yeah, you know, I'll tell you, man, that was the main thing. That was the tough thing. I really should not have done that. You know, I went like 20, basically 20 years without playing, you know, with maybe a handful of shows. Yeah. <clears throat> and I thought to myself, you know, if, I, if there was anything I'd love to be able to do again, it was that because we, we didn't tour. We were off the radar screen. And, uh, you know, when you're, not, when you're not in the public eye there for 20 years, you know, your profile goes down, and uh, I wish that I contain. I continued to, you know, my my all of my contemporaries, guys like Cheap Trick is a really good example. I mean, you know, I knew Robin and Rick and those guys from from day one, and uh, they they hung in there, and they. Put, I was on getting up at four in the morning and driving to San Jose to be on the radio. Yeah. Uh, they were they were on the road somewhere. They were always touring. So now we look back after 20 years, they're in the Hall of Fame, and I'm still you know I'm still struggling. So it's uh, you know I could if I if I could have done that again, I would have probably played more gigs or at least did the occasional tour. You know what I mean? Because we lost a lot of uh, forward momentum. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and over time, I mean, also you had to deal with a lot of loss your, yourself, right? With Dave and Gary yeah. and Steve and oh, that was terrible. Nothing was nothing as bad as as losing band members, man. I mean, I, they're all dead. The only guys that are left, it's me and Larry Lynch, the drummer, yeah. the original drummer. We're the only guys left. Steve Wright is gone. Uh, he had. Uh, he had a stroke, and then uh, uh, Dave Carpenter, he had a bad heart. Gary Phillips had cancer. Yeah. It was really, it was, you know, and these were guys that I grew up with and I loved. We were like brothers, uh, you know, and then one day they're gone. So, and, you know, uh, over the years, I, I, I think uh, I couldn't have done better replacing them with the guys I did because... Robert took took up where Steve left off, and uh, Rye, you know, took up where uh, where Dave Carpenter left off. 
so we, we just kept on moving forward. You know, it's like, you know, pick up your stuff and let's keep, just keep moving, man. Yeah, yeah. And so w- what's your secret as far as being able to maintain both, I guess, health-wise and also in, in music is rock and roll. I mean, it's it's a hard lifestyle to, to uphold, and obviously yeah. it's changed a, a bit since the, since the 60s, of course, and 70s and all that. But, but Yeah, so- you know, it, it, it wasn't as bad as, as, you, as you thought it would be because uh, I remember health wasn't always an issue, but I, I didn't seem to get that sick. I mean, I'd been in a hospital a couple of times. I had to take my gallbladder out once. But, I mean, you know, I really kind of skipped a bullet like that. And I really, uh, I've been very fortunate that I haven't had any really horrible physical ailments. And knock on wood, wait a minute. There it goes. Knock on wood that... uh, Everything will stay like that. I want to keep doing this. I mean, you know, I'm no spring chicken, but I want to keep doing this until I drop. I really, I don't have any signs of quitting. I'm not going to quit next year or the year after that. We're going to keep doing this until we drop dead. And then when we drop dead, somebody else will pick up. (laughs) Probably one of my grandsons will pick it up. We'll keep going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It can uh, it can be the uh, the Ryan Kin band, and then their grandsons can uh, can hop in, right? Yeah. So. Well, you know, I should have it should have started it out. Well, you know, here's a funny story. My my daughter, when she was in college, had to go to South America to do. She was a nurse. She was training to be a nurse, and one of the things she had to go down was she had to go down there to South America and help the indigenous people with their health problems, you know, like with the Doctors Without Borders. So she went down there with this group and they were administering uh, health stuff to these natives. And one day in the middle of the jungle, in the middle of the jungle in South America, she heard Jeopardy. Yeah? Wow. Yeah, she heard Jeopardy and she, she traced the sound back to a loudspeaker nailed to a tree, a palm tree, and it was a loudspeaker pump, and it was pumping out Jeopardy. And there was a guy with a little, you know, uh, a stand, really, kind of like a hot dog stand. Yeah. And he was selling, he was selling uh, bootleg CDs. No, they weren't CDs. They were cassettes. Uh-huh. Bootleg cassettes. And so she looks, and uh, she goes, well, that's my father's song. And the guy gives gives her the CD and the uh, cassette, and it's Gren King Bang. Wow. Okay. Just all Gren King Bang. The Gren King Bang. Of course. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and I say, oh, honey, why did you buy that? I would love to have that now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't you weren't getting a cut off of those, were you? <laughs> oh no, 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 nothing. <laughs> well, you know, thank God, thank God for the ASCAP police. They're out there taking care of business. Yeah, yeah. So let's so let's talk about your time being a DJ because that's obviously an expansive part, a big part of your your life as well. So I mean, tell yeah. me tell me some of the best experiences you had being a DJ in the Bay Area. What what, what was it that did it for you? Obviously, you mentioned getting well, up you early know, and everything. Uh, 
I I love the fact that I knew everybody. Yeah. So like if I had uh, the uh, Doobie Brothers or Steve Miller or Huey Lewis or somebody coming into the studio, we were already buddies. It was like, hey, let's do that uh, that Beatles tune that we were doing the last time we were together. You know, so that was kind of magical, and I knew everybody, so that. <laughs> It really made it, and I know that when they went to other stations, it wasn't like that. You know, I used to have a couple of guitars in the studio, and I was always ready in case anybody popped by. And somebody would pop by invariably, like uh, like Joe Perry would pop by, at completely unannounced. Yeah. Like, give that, give that man the guitar and stand back, please. Yeah, it would be gold, yeah. Um, you know, we I remember tricking people in the play. I Johnny Winter, who I love Johnny Winter, yeah. um was uh well his first song was was I think it was Maybelline was one of his songs that he ever recorded. And so I picked up he said, Look, his manager says he's not gonna he's not gonna play. He'll talk to you. You can interview him. He's not gonna play. He's just vehemently not into playing. Okay, no problem. So I'm picking up the guitar while I'm talking to Johnny Winter, and I'm playing Maybelline on yeah. the guitar. And I'm playing it wrong. I kept I kept doing it wrong, and I kept doing it. I wanted to get, and then finally he snatches the guitar. Give me that. I'll show you how to do it. And he plays it perfect. I'm thinking, oh, gotcha. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. That's the way to do it. Yeah, so you have all those well, it, was, it, was, it was really nice. So, you know, that, so that, that's part of it. Uh, I love the fact that I get to talk to a lot of my idols. Like, I remember talking to the Beatles and, uh, you know, Paul McCartney and, and Ringo Starr and stuff. And that, that was pretty thrilling. Yeah. Uh, I've also met all of my, all of my, uh, all of my idols and I hate, I hate to say it, a lot of them are jerks, you know, yeah. <clears throat> a lot of your, 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 your class A idols are real assholes. So that, that's, that's another, that's like, a, Hey, I had no idea that guy was an asshole. Well, you live and you learn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's, you know, but you're, but I, all of my friends are getting into the hall of fame now. You know, they're all like, "Hey, Greg, when are you going to go in the Hall of Fame?" <laughs> Listen, man, I don't think I, I don't think I'm getting in there except if you know by buying a ticket. You know, right? Right. Joe uh, Jensen in the Hall of Fame, uh, Cheap Tricks in the Hall of Fame, Steve Miller, everybody that I know around here is in the Hall of Fame, and I thought to myself, well, you know, eventually. Even Journey's going to be in here, they are in it. So, uh, you know, I thought to myself, you know, your day will come. And if it never comes, well, big deal. You know, you had a, you had a great career. I mean, I look back on my life, man. It's been amazing. I had no idea I was going to do all this stuff. You know, I had a great literary career. I wrote a bunch of books. I got a new one getting ready to come out. Uh so I had a great literary career. I had a great musical career, and I had a bunch of hit records. And, you know how rare is that? And then I had a great career career on the radio, and I had to get up every day and go down there at four a.m. 
But it was, you know, we, besides that, it was really cool. So I had a great career. I've had a couple of really good careers. And, of course, you know, being a songwriter is probably my number one thing. But, you know, it's a wonderful thing. I, I don't think very many people can, can say that. I'm pretty proud of it. Yeah, and and so tell me about the new book that you have that's about to come out because you had painted black and rubber soles that uh, uh, tied yeah. together. And is this does this tie into that realm or is this independent? Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't get the, that's it's interesting because I wrote the first uh, the first book which was Rubber Soul, which was about Bin Bob and, and his adventures and how he saved the Beatles, and then in the second book, it was the same thing, except that it was uh, Brian Jones, the murder of Brian Jones and the Rolling Stones. And, uh, and then he kind of solves that. So I'm working on the third one right now that is pretty much done. It's called Anarchy, and it takes place um, in the Sex Pistols in the 70s. I was in, uh, I was in London for a lot of the 70s, so I got a lot of I saw a lot of this stuff firsthand. Yeah. Uh, and I got another one. I got another one that's just about completed called uh, Southern Gothic, which is uh, with Hank Williams is in it. That the death of Hank Williams is pretty is pretty cool. And then I got another one called Forty Five RPM, which is the mafia in the music business. So I got three or four of them uh, ready to go. I'm, hopefully, this is, this will be a good year. Yeah, it sounds like it. And so, do you just? I, I mean, do you? How do you work on multiple projects like that at the same time? Um, do you, when you have kind of these stories going through your head, how do you, I mean, and not just kind of be solely dedicated into one? How do you kind of put it aside to kind of keep working on another? You know, uh, for some reason, I don't have that problem. I, I have a compartmentalized my thinking. And, you know, it's it's nothing. I could be working on, I mean, I'm sitting here right now with my feet on this desk. Yeah. My feet are on the, the anarchy manuscript. So I, I might quit this, work on that. And then, you know, maybe uh, half an hour later, I'll just, uh, out of the clear blue, I'll start working on a song. So I don't have problems jumping from one thing to another. In fact, it kind of makes it fresh. Yeah. And, you know, what if, you, if you're getting stuck and you're not, you know, like if you're trying to write a song, you just can't get that chorus right, well, work on something else for, you know, a couple hours and come back to it. Chances are it'll work itself out. And uh, I just love being the, cre- the creative muscle, whatever that is in, in your brain. That's kind of where I'm at. I love being creative, and I never, I, I never run out of ideas. And if I ever do, well, that'll probably, that'll, that'll probably, I'll check out of the old hotel at that point. Right. But I, I don't believe that. You know, I've got enough ideas for songs and novels for another 10 years I would say and so are, are you working on a new album as well I kind of I thought I heard you were last year where yeah actually I got uh, I got a couple of songs down towards the next album as a matter of fact uh, um, Robert and I were working uh, just a couple of weeks ago on a new song called Flying Car yeah I've been watching you know all these uh, all these uh 
shows about flying cars. They say it's just around the corner. And I thought, hey, what a cool idea for a song, flying cars. So we wrote the song, got and laid it down. I, you know, uh, and then we wrote another one, and then we wrote another one. And it just, you know, these these things you don't plan to be working on an album but the next thing you know look oh my i got three songs i might as well keep going you know so uh i don't really plan about it or think about it okay this is an album and it's going to be this no we're just kind of uh cruising along and it looks like we're going to have an album here probably in the next six months so why fight it I really enjoyed the the songs that we've been writing lately and writing with uh, Robert Barry. I got to tell you, man, the guy is, he's such a great musician. And you know how uh, Paul and John would fill in each other's spots, you know what I mean? Like the middle, the middle eight is what uh, they'd always look for. And and, they, and I and I do that with uh, with Robert. I say, hey Robert, come up with a bridge here or something. And I just out of the clear blue, he'll come up with something. It'll work. And uh, I loved writing songs with Robert. Um, and I have a feeling that uh, at something, you know, down the road here, at some point down the road, uh, it's going to turn into another album. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and so with all this writing that you've been doing, also back kind of more so back to the the uh, the books that you write, have you ever kind of uh, explored taking those those books into making it into sort of a screenplay? I mean, there's so many outlets oh, on, the, on that. Or no. I'm so glad you asked me that because I I am doing that. As a matter of fact, I just completed the screenplay for 45 RPM because I visualized it as kind of like a Sopranos TV show, you know what I mean? Yeah. Episodic uh, television. And, uh, you know, it's it's a big old novel, and so it's like The Godfather. You could do it for an entire season. And uh, so, like, that, you know, that would be the first season. I would probably write the second season after that. But, uh, yeah, I get a lot of ideas, and I'm trying to wrestle a few of them over into scripts and see, you know, see where that goes. You know, Hollywood is a crazy place, and whenever I go down there, I always, uh, you know, I, I love to go down there and see my literary agent. We always have a good, uh, we could have a good uh, lunch at the Delicatessen, you know, like, uh, Cantered or one of those places. Isn't it just, I love going down there, but you know, the nice thing about LA is when you leave and you're going home, you know, what a crazy, wonderful place. <laughs> Glad I'm going it's, home. It's <laughs> nice to visit. You don't want to stare, stick around. Yeah, for sure. There's a reason you live in the Bay. <laughs> oh, hey, listen, and here's a, this is something I was explaining to my son last week. He says, you know, Dad, we should re- we should all move down to L.A. and Everything's down in L.A. And I'll say, let me tell you something, son. You know, if I was living in L.A., I would be, and I have done this two or three times in my life, but I would be celebrity number 2,571. Yeah. 
That's how far down the celebrity list I would be in Hollywood. Now, I walk around in the Bay Area, people know me. Yeah. You know, they pull over, hey, Greg, love that song. You know, love this. And they're, 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 they're like brothers, you know? And it's like, uh, I, over here, I'm, I'm celebrity number 240, you know? It's way higher yeah, than yeah. LA. Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of like that. A lot, you know, when we go out to dinner or we go to the store or I go into a, you know, guitar center or something like that, it's like, hey, Greg, how you doing? And, it, you know, there's a, uh, there's a camaraderie that you have here in the Bay Area that you don't really get down in L.A. Yeah, and there's something to, you know, a place feeling like home also, right? And you've lived here so long. Yeah, you know what, that's important, too. That really is. You know, my my son would think, oh, you know, it's going to be real glamorous when we're down in Hollywood. No, it's not. Uh, You know, they're going to, you know, it's not going to be, it's not what you think. Let me put it that way. Wears out quick, I'm sure. So, (laughs) very cool. Yeah. Well, Greg, thank you for uh, taking the time today. Uh, definitely look forward to hearing the new stuff that you have uh, coming out. And um, and I wish I could go to the show in, uh, at Sackwort that you're going to have. You're going to be playing at the Oh, Cal it's going to be there. a lot of fun, yeah. And the, the other thing is uh, we're, we're working on Flying Car, the song Flying Car. Yeah. My, my goal, of course, I haven't cleared this with anybody yet, but uh, we're going to just make that available for download for free. Oh, nice. Okay, you're here to hear first. So we'll just put it up on the gregkin.com website, and people would, would like to get, you know, they could download it, they could stream it, they could listen to it, do whatever they want to do. And it was just based, basically just for free uh, as a b- added bonus from the last album. So, uh, you know, I guess at some point we'll be thinking about the next album. So that'll be uh, that'll be something probably that would be front and center at that point. But yeah, it's going to be free, man. Hey, the f- it's free. Hey, that's a great price. You can't beat it, right? So <laughs> can't beat it. No, no complaints there. So. Very cool. Greg, have an awesome rest of your day. Good luck with the rest of your writing and the books that are coming uh, out as well. And, uh, um, and yeah, we'll be ch- uh, chatting with you soon, okay? Well, thanks a ton, and I really appreciate it, Steve. Uh, you know, uh, let's do it again down, down the road. We absolutely should. Okay, All man. All right, later, Greg. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. This is the interview with Greg Kinn here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens... Do you remember last week when we talked and I, I told you about the interview that we have coming up with uh, an artist called uh, named Essence? Yes. Yes. I did that interview, and that's going to come up next week on Concert Pipeline. You told me it was intense. It was. It was. I think it was also my longest interview I've done, uh, and it was just such a great, a great personal conversation where we – you know, connected on a lot of different levels and had so much, had a lot in common and talked about a couple of things that I, you know, didn't see myself talking about on the podcast really, but uh, really, she, she kept it real and honest. And so I kind of did the the same. And, uh, and so that's coming up next time. Talk to Essence um, and, you know, bullet point of who she is again. And why, what we, what we had around to talk about was, um, she has this group called Bernie and the Believers, which is um, music that she wrote with uh, 
with this other artist named um, named Bernie and uh, Bernie Dalton, excuse me, and who had hired her to be a vocal coach, and in the process, he uh, got Lou Gehrig's disease, mm. and um, and so we're gonna hear a lot more about that and about her uh, solo uh, material as well um, coming up on the, the next episode of Concert Pipeline. Uh, before we do. We didn't have any music on this podcast, so I I want to send us out with a song. Uh, we got to have a little bit of music to, to take us home, and um, and so this uh, is from this past uh, weekend's uh, Napa City Nights, a band we've had on the podcast before, um, uh, and that is Surf and James, Surf and James, excuse me, and um, and this is a new song that they uh, they played at Napa City Nights called uh, Stay in My Head. So, Jens, anything you want to wind us out with before we hit the road? Uh, I don't think so. It's just, um, it's just that I'm really, you know, looking forward to this interview. Uh, this yeah. is the second time we've we've talked about it. I think it's going to be, um, you know, well worth a well worth a wait for the next podcast. Absolutely. Um, very well said. And so uh, for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that is Jens Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. We will catch you next week. Thank you.